This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here in the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Let me uh, cozy up to the microphone a little bit more here. Um, last week, I did a download-only exclusive edition of Dimland Radio. Uh, longtime listeners of the show might uh, know why, because at least once a year, well, once a year, I do a, my the company I work for, uh, we do a scrub job, uh, scrub and wax tile floors in a little supermarket um, up in Osseo, Minnesota, which is uh, about a 30-minute drive from the Twin Cities. It's uh, northwest-ish from the Twin Cities. And uh, so it's, it's something we do once a year. We've done it for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, something like that. We've done it plenty. And, um, you know, it's a job where we get, we ideally, we get a six-man crew together we split that into two scrub teams, and we tackle that floor. Uh, and we came up with that idea about three or four years ago, when we just happened to bring an extra scrub machine, and the boss said, "Well, why don't we get that one going too?" And that's what ah clicked into place. This is going to work better if we get two teams scrubbing. So, anyway, so we all we had it set up for that, and. Um, we get to the store uh, by 9.30, quarter to 10 in the evening. And uh, they shut down the store at 10 o'clock. And by about 5 or 10 minutes after 10, we are scrubbing the floors. And if you if you should know this about me when I do a scrub job like that. I don't stop until the scrubbing's done. I don't stop. I don't take a break. I don't just we just, I just plow right through because it's just it's you know and so and 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 to their credit, so do the rest of the guys, except for the boss. Okay, I say it's a ideally we get a six man crew together. Uh, the boss, he I mean to his credit, he will pitch in and help on this job. Uh, if we get six guys together, one of them being the boss, it's more like a five and a half man crew. He he helps, but it's not. I mean, what he he probably says at the beginning, "I'll lay the stripper," which is not a euphemism. It means the stripper water to take the wax off the floor. Off the floor, he'll you know flood mop that down. You'll put it. You'll put a you know you flood the floor with that stuff, a section of it, and then. Another person comes along with a, a scrub machine, which is a you know one of those swing machines. You've seen a buffer type thing in the, in in the TV and movies and things. You've seen them, and uh, it's a low speed, and you swing it back and forth, and you and it 
you put a nice scouring pad on the bottom there and it pulls cleans the dirt and the wax off the floor so and then and then there's somebody behind that person with the, the vacuum cleaner to vacuum up the 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 dirty water the dirty stripper water and the and the wax and all that and then there's should be you know and then that person if they're coordinated enough they will then do a clean mop but what we should do is the person lays the stripper down you have like the boss can lay the stripper down then the scrubber person goes on then the boss goes behind the person that does the vacuuming and the edge scrubbing with a little hand tool will scrub the edges and then that, that boss will get behind them and then do the clean mopping see that that person would do that they can get the stripper down first but then the person who's doing the scrubbing can go ahead and lay down stripper whenever he needs to you know it's it, that's how it should work but with the boss that's not how it works he just lays the stripper down and then he wanders around he might do a little edge scrubbing a little bit here and there he'll tickle here and there but otherwise he doesn't do much and i'm telling you at one point he was sitting in the back area just exhausted and I, I thought, it's really? I even try, told him, I said, get behind so-and-so and start doing a clean mop, but he wouldn't do it. Anyway, well, that's... I had hoped we would be done scrubbing by 1 o'clock, and we were. Even with a little curveball thrown at us by the, by the store. Uh, they had moved a bit of shelving off the floor that had been sitting there for a long time years and years of wax and dirt and grit and such gathering up underneath that shelf especially especially the the one inch to one and a half inch strip uh, that the rectangular strip that follows where the shelves set on the floor uh, where they make contact with the floor so there's that going all the way around some parts was uh, worse than others. And that was, yeah, I mean, at one point we were down sitting on the floor, uh, one of the cleaners, and, and I joined him at some point with scrapers scraping at the stuff. But we we did get that cleaned up. and you know, But that, still, done by 1 o'clock. And then waxing, we put three coats on. That can take a while because you got to wait for each coat to dry before you apply the next one. If you don't, you're going to get hazy-looking floor. So um, we ended up finishing up waxing by about, I don't know, quarter to four in the morning, something like that. We were back to the office about quarter after four, and uh, I was home by 4.30, uh, showered, went to bed by five. <laughs> you know, it had something, a little something to eat, and then whatever. So big job. It's a big job. But okay. And that's why I didn't do a show. That's why there was only a download available, because I would not be around on Saturday night to be in the chat room and to make sure the show would play for the chat room playback on uh, at ztalkradio.com uh, at 11, 11 o'clock central on Saturdays. Uh, I wouldn't have been there, so that's why it didn't happen. So hopefully, uh, for those of you who listen while I'm in the chat room, uh, which there aren't many, <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, hopefully you were able to download the show either from iTunes or Podbean. You can follow me on Podbean. You can subscribe on iTunes, or you can go to ZTalk Radio, go to Show Archives page, and you can find the latest show. Uh, that one was, uh, was was show number four eleven. This is show number four twelve. I've done four hundred twelve of these things. Okay, a couple other little things that happened uh, that night uh, for the scrub job. As I said, ideally, you want to get a six-man crew together. We had that last year. I think we had that the year before. So there's a couple of guys that work for us that are friends of the boss. 
you know, they, they throw in with us. There's myself and the head supervisor. Uh, we, we get in there. There's the boss and one of the boss's sons. That's generally what this crew comes up. It was a, at least one time, I think maybe more than one, but at least one time my younger brother helped out. He was part of the crew. So it's, but that was a while back. And uh, anyway, you get six guys on, two teams of three, works all right. Well, this time the boss shows up and his son's not with him. I said, where's your son? And he just gives this dismissive hand wave. Eh, kids today. He couldn't be bothered. I have a sneaking suspicion, although I might be wrong, but I have a sneaking suspicion that the boss didn't even ask. I don't know why. Just because that's the kind of boss I've got. I just thought he was just saying that that's just so that we wouldn't worry. However, but still, we were able to get the job done, and that's fine. But we would probably would have cut maybe a half off, half hour off of the scrubbing time, if 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 this son had come along. Maybe even an hour off the scrubbing time. Half hour seems probably more likely. Anyway, so the son doesn't show up, right? And so we get done scrubbing. We put the first coat of wax down. That's the boss joins in to do that. He says, "I'll help you do the first coat, and then, then I'm going to take off, and, and the, you know, so it'll be just me and the supervisor, the two of us." finishing up waxing, which is fine. And uh, and so then he gets, a, after we got that first coat down, he gets the boss gets a text or a phone call from his son, the one that was supposed to be helping us. Uh, apparently he was, uh, well, he got mugged. He was in downtown Minneapolis. He went down there with a couple of friends earlier that night. You know, they're in their 20s, Saturday night, hang out downtown, what do you, you know, that's what they're going to do. And he, um, his friends decided to take, you know, head home or whatever, and he decided to hang around some lot more because they met up with people down there, and he figured he could just get an Uber and go home, and that's essentially what he was setting up to do. Uh, he was waiting for the Uber to come pick him up. When now the number varied; it was either three or five, as the boss is telling me the story, but three or five uh, fellows uh, jumped him. Um, and I guess they roughed him up a bit and uh, stole his phone, his watch, his wallet. Um, I guess his son tried to fight back a little bit because he's, he's an athletic kid, tough. But, uh, uh, you yeah, know, they, they had the numbers. And I guess this was supposedly happened across the street from a police station, one of the downtown police stations in Minneapolis. I don't know if there's more than one, but, you know, across the street from one. Well, so then his, you know, the son gets a hold of my boss and says, "Well, can you come down and get me? I'm at the police station." So the boss takes one of his friends that heads down with him to go get the son and get the son home, so the son can, you know, cancel his credit cards and do all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, he says he's, he was mad and he was a bit beat up and all that, but he's alive, so that's, you know, that's fine. Um, the boss did actually come back to the store. When the supervisor and I, but he got back by the time we had just finished putting down the third and final coat of wax, and uh, we were just kind of checking out the floor. And the boss comes in. Uh, he came back to drop off his, you know, one of the guys that helped us. His car was there, so he came back to drop him off. So he looks at the floor, it looks good, all right. And then he gave us a little bit of the update of the story. And and uh, uh, I didn't say, I don't think I said it at that night, but I think I talked to him about it the next day. Uh, when we are at work, whenever we got back to work, uh, in when I got back to the office on Tuesday, you know, because Monday was Memorial Day, 
had that day off. And I asked him, I said, uh, you know, we got more details on the story. And then I said, now, did you ever say to your son that, you know, did you give him the, you know, if you'd have been helping us, you wouldn't have gotten mugged? Well, he didn't. But, you know, I mean, why rub salt in the wounds, right? But he wouldn't have gotten mugged if he'd been helping us. Well, I might have tried, but then I think he'd probably kick my ass. So, no, I wouldn't do that. He's a younger guy. He's in his 20s. I'm 30 years older than him, at least. <laughs> He'd kick my ass. Uh, and he's an athlete. The kid's an athlete. He can play baseball and basketball and sports. He can, you know, he can actually play him. He's not just a fan of sports like I am. Speaking of sports, oh, well, I'll get to that in a moment. One other thing that was interesting of that night. I just thought I'd get you yells a heart attack by saying speaking of sports, although I am going to mention something. Um... On the way to the job, um, let's see. Now, we were supposed to meet, uh, the supervisor and I, and one of the other cleaners were supposed to meet at the at our office and get all the equipment into the company van and then uh, drive out and get there by 9.30, quarter to 10. And uh, so um, the supervisor showed up before I got there. I got there about quarter after 8. We were supposed to be there by 8.30, but... You know, he got there early. He was getting stuff together. I got there early to help get stuff together, and the other other cleaner, he got there about eight thirty. So we got it all together. We hit the road. Uh, I was driving the van. Supervisor's riding with me, and behind us was was the other guy. You know, the third, uh, our, you know, the other cleaner. And uh, so we're heading up, and we're driving up the freeway, and it's about it's getting close to it's getting close to nine o'clock. And the sun has gone down, but it's not, you know, it's not completely night sky yet. There's still a little duskiness to it. And, uh, and, that, and I guess that's a time where you're supposed to be very careful when you're driving out rural roadways. We're heading out the freeway, and I'm in the, it's a three lane at this, you know, that I'm in, and I'm in the right hand lane, and we're going along. And uh, I see off the side of the road, which is just a long, a wide field of grass leading to some trees and houses and that, but I see something moving toward the freeway up ahead of us. And uh, actually two somethings. And those two somethings turned out to be deer. And I, by the time I'm registering that those are deer, one of them has gotten into, uh, has come across the shoulder and is running into the lane that I'm in. It's ahead of me. And I immediately, <laughs> you know, say, Dear, slow down. But I don't slam on the brakes because I don't want to lock them up because I, got, I know I got somebody following me. So I got to carefully but quickly slow the car down. And hope that the that, that our, our coworker behind us isn't is is not too close. And I can picture the deer at this point. It had run into the lane. It couldn't have been more than I think at the closest it was maybe fifteen to twenty feet away, maybe somewhere in there, maybe closer, maybe farther, but it just seems like it, it was not that far away. Because I can picture its you know, its legs churning as as it was as it as it did the smart thing, uh, it started out doing the dumb thing, trying to cross the freeway. But it did the smart thing and turned back to the grass. But 
because, as my old brother, older brother had put it when I was telling him about the story, uh, a deer's hooves are built to work really well on grass and dirt and that kind of surface, but on asphalt and concrete, not so good. So it, it it's doing the, it's skittering. It's almost like the it's like it's you know in the cartoons where something uh, a, a character starts to run and they, they they stay in one place for a little bit and or as they turn a corner do that running thing their their legs do that spinning. Well, that's kind of what this deer was doing, but it made its turn. I slowed down enough. It got off the road, and we passed it by, and you know and I we didn't get smashed into the back end. It's a it was just. It was like boom, boom, boom. That's the, yeah. It just went that quickly. Um, after we got by the deer, the supervisor, you know, it's. It, I mean, th- th- all that was done was we gave the gave the brakes a little bit of a workout, and we gave our hearts a little bit of an adrenaline <laughs> boost, ours and the deer's. And uh, but the supervisor, I apparently he t- took a better look at the deer than I did. He says that was kind of a small deer. He says he he thought it was a a, a juvenile or a young deer. Um, the guy driving behind us thought the same thing. Saw it too, uh, or he, he saw. I don't think he saw. I don't think the guy saw two of them. I did see two. Um, I could be wrong though, but definitely there was the one. I didn't see it as being big or small or whatever. I just saw a deer, and that's as close as I've ever gotten to uh, crashing into a deer. While driving, so luckily it didn't happen, and we got to work, we got the job done, and uh, I got to offer a download-only, exclusive edition of Dimland Radio. Well, right now I've gotten to my first break, so I'm going to take that break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll be, I, I shall return after this break. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Happy Jack wasn't old, but he was a man. Hi, this is Pete Townsend of The Who. I just want to say that the United States Air Force is a great place to be, a great place to learn a space-age skill and serve your country too. The aerospace team, that's where all the breakthroughs are. See your United States Air Force recruiter. Find out how you too can fly the skies, reach for the moon, and touch the stars in the United States Air Force. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. And 
welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Sea Talk Radio Network at SeaTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, let's see, as I threatened earlier, or promised, depending on how you look at it, I am going to talk a little bit about sports. Just a little bit. If you recall last week, if you listened to last week's show, uh, I did talk a bit about the Minnesota Twins, didn't I? That's the team I follow. I like baseball. I love baseball, uh, actually. And... Um, I, I can't explain it. I just do. You know, it's a thing I love. And I enjoy watching the games. It doesn't matter if I have a team in the game that I'm, you know, rooting for. It doesn't matter. It's just like watching baseball. I mean, Sunday nights, I may have mentioned this already, but Sunday nights, ESPN plays a, a, a game. And uh, I have uh, the ability to access ESPN on my laptop. And I'll just put the headphones on, and I'll watch the game and I just I really like it I like the sound of baseball I like the uh, I, I like the uh, the look of the game <laughs> I like listening to the, the the three announcers that they have on ESPN on Sunday nights uh, Alex Rodriguez uh, Jessica um, Mendez I think it is oh boy Mendoza <laughs> uh, I might have that wrong and a fellow named Matt something <laughs> It's, it's so 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 accurate, you know, For for being such a pedant, you'd think I'd have this all written down, but I don't. But I just like listening to them. There's just something about it, and and watching a game. So it doesn't matter who who's playing. The Twins haven't been on there yet. But I wanted to bring it up because uh, bring up the Twins because last week when I talked about them, I said they're they're in first place in the league. I'm not sure where they are right now, but they're still up there. They're they're still high up there. But you see, something happened. On Thursday, which would be last night as I record this, uh, the Twins went down to Tampa Bay to play the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Tampa Bay Rays are in the American League East division, which is a tough division. It's got the Boston Red Sox, it's got the hated Yankees, and the three of them are battling each other out there. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, Boston started off the season pretty strong floundered for a little bit, and then now they seem to be coming back on, you know, getting it back together. The hated Yankees, they're doing really they're doing really well, and, and they've got a lot of injured players, so boy, when they get those players back, how much more well are they going to do? And Tampa has been doing well, and they Tampa plays the game a little unconventionally. They gotta, they've been experimenting with um, um, their pitching staff and how they use it. It's a little different, but I won't go into those details. Anyway, they're a good team. And the Twins, they're a good team, too. They're surprising. They're surprising how good they are. Last season, they did better than the season before. We were hoping that, uh, you know, we were hoping they'd get better, and we were hoping they were going to be better this season. We had you know, we had high hopes that they would be better, but my goodness, we didn't think they'd be playing out of, the, out of their minds, uh, hitting home runs the way they are, and, uh, and, winning, some, and winning games. And I... And it's it's just it was astounding. And if you're a Minnesota sports fan, though, you always have this. Well, hold back. You should, if you don't. I mean, a couple few years ago, when the Minnesota Vikings went five and zero to start the season, and at that point they were the only undefeated season uh, team that season. There were some people that weren't holding back. They were going hog wild crazy. You know, they were saying, "The the this is it. This is the year. This is the Vikings team that's going to do it." And I, I was telling people, hold on. I, I even did a, sh a segment on a show about it a while back. I said, you know, hold, you know, settle down. 
this is the Vikings. They'll find a way. And they did. <laughs> they went on to lose, I don't know, the next four games or something like that. And uh, yeah, they, 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 and they ended up kind of mediocre for that season, especially considering how they started. So there's always the other shoe. We just think, no, when's it, when's it gonna, when are they gonna come back down to earth? When's this gonna happen? So Thursday night this past week, they played Tampa Bay, and they got their asses kicked. <laughs> the Twins did. I think it was a third inning or the fourth inning. I can't remember which it was, but it was a you know shutout baseball up until then. The Twins hadn't scored. Tampa hadn't scored. And then they get to the you know the bottom of the fourth, I think it was, and Tampa scores six runs. Uh, I was alerted to this by a friend of mine to say, "Did you see this?" <laughs> Says that's it, it's over, the season's over, <laughs> which is kind of a joke between the two of us. And then the next inning, uh, the the Tampa scored another five runs. They ended up beating the Twins fourteen to three. Now here's where you get into kind of the sports cliche thing. Uh, but it's true. Uh, you, what kind of a team, what character of a team do you have? Uh, are, how good are they? How confident are they? How how unrattleable are they? And it, and what we found is, you know, it's like how you, we, you say, okay, let's see how they handle tomorrow's game. This was the first game in a three-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays that they lost 14 to three. How? Let's see how they do in game two. If they if they if they blow that one as big as this one before, well, maybe we should worry. If they if they lose but give Tampa a really good game, well, maybe we don't worry so much. If they win, we think, well, look at that. They're not phased. Well, they won. They won tonight, five to three, and it's just like. There they go, and I was talking with this same friend, and I and and I, I could look it up I supp- and find out for sure. But I don't recall them lo- this team so far this season. They played uh, at this point. They must be close to sixty games so far this season. Let's see. They're thirty-eight and they're thirty-eight and eighteen. What does that add up to? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, forty-eight plus. It says that's fifty-six. Is that it? Does that up to fifty-six? Um, so it's yeah. They, that far into the season, I don't think they've lost more than two games in a row at all this season. So, I'm st- I still, though, I still am expecting the other shoe to drop. It's like, okay, this is this can't last forever. We'll see how they do. I mean, they'll make it into the postseason. They'll play the Yankee, hated Yankees, and the hated Yankees will win. And, you know, that's just how it's going to go. Because that's how it's been going for the last, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. 15 years? Okay, enough enough sports talk. Oh, except... Um, except for I do have... Oh, boy, i got to get this called up. Sorry, sorry, hold on. Uh, I do have one of these. Time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? Well, let me tell you. I've talked about this in the past. I don't know if I made it a pedantic moment, but um, you know the phrase, 
that's been made popular by Hollywood. And again, Hollywood gets something wrong. What? Really? Yeah, they get something wrong. Uh, you know the phrase that was made popular by the film A League of Their Own. It was the, uh, the movie that starred Gina Davis and uh, Tom Hanks, and it was about uh, the women's baseball league that uh, was formed during World War II. When the men were all off playing baseball, uh, or not playing, <laughs> well, they might have been playing baseball for the uh, for the army or whatever the armed forces were. Some of them were. Uh, others were actually, you know, in combat or in, doing other things that were more army war related. But uh, while the men were away, they got the women. They started leagues with the women, and it lasted for a while. And you know, there was this. this phrase that's come out of that movie called uh, that's there's you know, there's no crying in baseball are you crying there's no crying in baseball and tom hanks is playing the drunken manager that's that's dealing with these women and uh, he sees you know some woman gets he yells at some woman because she did a bonehead play or something and then she starts crying and then he berates her for crying there's no crying in baseball and i know years ago when i talked about this i said of course there's crying in baseball i talked about mike schmidt when he retired from baseball he blubbered like a child i talked about a player uh, uh there was a pitcher a young pitcher who had died and a friend of his who played on a, uh, on a, I'm not sure if he played on the same team, might have played on the same team, um, you know, was just you know was just crying during the game, the next game that he they played, um, and he did a tribute to him, and it was just you know, but there was crying. There's crying in baseball, okay? There's crying in baseball, and here's an example. It just happened. I was watching this game on ESPN last Sunday. It was the Chicago uh, Cubs. They were playing. Who in the hell were they playing? I forget now. Whoever they were playing, it might come to me while I talk to you. Uh, the the uh, the their, the player Albert Almora Jr. was was at bat, and he fouled off a pitch, and it was a line drive straight into the fans. And he, 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 he can see where the ball's going. He watches the ball go into the stands, and he sees the ball hit a four-year-old girl. And the ball, they clocked it, figuring it was going about 90 miles an hour and hit this girl. Now, in baseball, in most in, in the stadiums now, they have, uh, they have netting. They, they used to, they, uh, the netting that would go behind home plate, as often the ball can you know, tip, hit, back off the bat and go, you know, and they don't want to smack somebody behind home plate. So they have netting there. And then uh, a few years ago, they extended that netting, and I believe it goes to the end of the dugouts along the foul lines. And I think now they're going to talk about so maybe that needs to be extended even more. Uh, it's easy for the fans to see through the netting. It's not like it's, it interferes with the game or anything. It's just, uh, but it keep it'll keep the ball from from cracking some kid on the head, or I'm not sure where it hit her. Uh, the good news is, at least the last I saw, she's she's responding and she's going to be okay. She's going to get through. You know, she'll be fine. But you watch this player; he sees the ball just careen into the crowd and hit this little girl, and he just you know his hands on his head, and he's and he you could hear his reaction. Oh no! And he gets, and he's just he's just. He's rattled by it like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he's getting down. He's down on one knee. He's crying. His manager comes out. Another player or somebody else comes over, and they're trying to console him. And 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 he's just you know, it's, it's, he's he's just he's got. 
he talked about it after the game. He's got a uh, he's a father with a couple with at least one or two young kids, and he just you know he immediately was thinking like a father. Um, you know, seeing that that this girl was hurt and and that it was something that you know he didn't. Of course, it wasn't intentional. He's just he's playing baseball, and he went over to the area at some point, and the girl had already been taken out to you know to get treated and get ta- she got taken to the hospital, and there was a security woman uh, nearby, and he ends up just crying on her shoulder, just something, you know, it just it was. It was quite emotional, and the crowd just got dead silent, and they just they looked at this, and, and you could see there was a woman sitting behind a plate that just had her hands over her mouth, and just it was a, it was a big deal. So, and I guess, and I I think I heard this on the Sports Center later that they said even later on uh, in another game around the league, some fellow got hit in the noggin, uh, an adult got hit in the noggin with a with a foul ball. So. Um, these teams, I'm sure, uh, around the league are going to revisit uh, the idea of just how far out the netting should go, and um, and, and you know, just because you don't want you don't want a four-year-old kid to get killed, <laughs> do you? Or at least seriously injured. You know, you don't want that happening. She shouldn't. You know, if she went to a ball game, she shouldn't end up in a hospital. So okay, so there's crying in baseball. There's crying in baseball. They're just dead. Hollywood wrong again. Speaking of being wrong, last week when I did my show, uh, the download exclusive, uh, when I did that, um, I talked about a story that was getting passed around on social media. It it was a big, big story. Um, I have a lot of atheist friends uh, on Facebook, and uh, they were all sharing this with a chuckle. And the headline of the story made you think, yeah. Uh, um, the story was about, uh, you're aware of this, in Kentucky there's this thing called the Ark Encounter. It's a museum built to look like what they what, what people think the Ark looked like. The Ark, you know, Noah's Ark, what they think that looked like. This is Ken Ham. He's, a, he's an evangelist. Who, he's, one of, he's one of the adults in the world who thinks Noah's Ark, you know, the story is true. He thinks the world was completely covered by floodwaters, and that seven, I think it's seven people, uh, managed to collect you know, enough animals, <laughs> species. I mean, they try to wiggle out the ones that believe it. It's not two of every animal. It was just two of every kind. And then there were a few where there was more than two that were collected. But, you know, I, but I still, you know, how did they get the kangaroos? How did they get the kangaroos? Okay, how did that happen? So anyway, it's just it's it's mind blowing that there are adults who believe this story. Ken Ham's one of them. He so much so he he you know, he uh, raised money to build this museum, this Ark Encounter place, and inside it they even have pens in which they have dinosaurs in there because well, they I, I guess they don't I, I guess. He doesn't want to deny that dinosaurs existed, but well, of course, since the Earth is only six thousand years old, maybe ten thousand at most, the dinosaurs must have been around. It's so we, I oh God, it's just it's a fairy tale. It's a children's story. How do adults believe this? I mean, just think about it. It, 
the entire planet is covered by water. For, you know, I, I was looking at the, the scholarly, the biblical scholars, what they were saying. How long did the flood, how long did the flood last? It didn't last 40 days and 40 nights. That's how long it rained. Which uh, somebody pointed out on Facebook that there are rainforests in this country, or not in this country, in this, and on this planet, where it will rain 240 days a year. Maybe maybe it stops raining at night, but I mean, and the world doesn't flood. But anyway, suppose somehow there's enough water to cover the entire planet with water. You know, to, to just cover everything, to, to get over the tops of mountains. And the biblical scholars were saying, well, it could have been 100 days, 150 days, could have gone a year in a flood, a year, maybe even more than a year. I was reading all kinds of different you know, discrepancies as how long it lasted. But let's say it was just 100 days. I, I would think that you know, trees, food crops, grass, all kinds of plants are going to die because they're underwater for 100 days. Certainly they'd all die if they're underwater for a year. You know, Noah didn't bring plants on the ark with him. There's nothing said in the Bible about that. Well, I suppose we'll have to retrofit the story there to make sure that he brought you know two of each kind of seed. It's just it's ludicrous that people believe this thing. Anyway, so the story that came out was that um, the Ark Park, the owners were suing their insurance company uh, because they didn't get covered for rain damage uh, during some there was some flood damage that took place. Now the headlines. I saw various ones. They made it sound like the Ark itself, the replica Ark, the giant, you know, one-to-one -one scale Ark, itself was damaged by the flood. But what was damaged was an access road, that, an access to the park. And I was underwhelmed by the irony. I didn't think it was an example of irony. It's just, I, once it started off with the headline going one way, then you read the article. I thought, ah, come on, guys, read the article. It's not that big a deal. It's not. I don't think it's a thing of irony. And I posted so, at such on Facebook. And let me tell you, it's so wonderful to have intelligent Facebook friends who will take the time to make a good argument and not be you know, jerks about it. Uh, I had a couple of uh, people respond. Uh, more than just a couple, but a couple of res people responded, and uh, these two fellows, uh, they're both named Dave. Different guys, but they're both named Dave. Coincidence? Yes. Well, they responded to to my saying, this really is an irony, you know, uh, you know, settle down, read the stories. I'll tell you what they said when I come back from this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll return, and I'll tell you what what my friends said. Station identification. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on ztalkradio.network.
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Sometimes I try to do things and it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. And like, I try hard to do it and I like take my time but it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. It's like I concentrate on real hard but it just doesn't work out. But everything I do yeah, 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 kid. Complain, complain, complain. Oh, I try so hard. It just doesn't work out the way I thought it would. And I try. Ah. You can tell I've gotten older because that was a song by uh, Suicidal Tendencies, a song called Institutionalized, which when I was in my 20s, I really liked it. I still like the song, but I, I can't help but feel like saying, shut up, kid. <laughs> But I shouldn't because, you know, the problems to the kid are just as as important to him as the problems I might be facing. I shouldn't dis- be dismissive. I shouldn't, right? It's just, I don't know, maybe it's just being an old man that has me feeling that way. I, you know, I still like the song. Anyway, so I thought that this really wasn't irony. It was because it... To me, it would have been ironic if the Ark had been damaged. But, as I said, a couple of friends came through, a couple of Davids. One said, I read the article before posting, Still falls under irony. The people behind the Ark attraction weren't adequately prepared for rain. That's irony. Hmm. And then uh, the other David... Uh, said this uh, and, and went into a little more detail. Uh, he said, The ark itself doesn't have to be damaged if it's rain that prevents its normal function as an attraction that pushes a story about how people and animals were protected from the rain. The access road leading to the ark was damaged by rain, and they are suing over insurers' refusal to pay for rain damage. Uh, there is all of that before we go get into acts of God. So yeah, I think irony still exists. My wife brought up that. Well, the act of God, you know, it's an act of God. You know, that's what it would be called. And I read that and listened to my wife, read through some other comments, and I commented back, well, I'll be dipped. Looks like I'm wrong. <laughs> and I gave 10 points to everybody who commented. Because, well, yeah, I guess that is irony. Yes, it still is. It fits under the, the definition of it. And um, it's just that it's not as, it's, it, I guess to me, it's not as satisfying a moment of irony as it would be if the arc itself had been damaged. But yeah, it, 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 uh, as a, it prevented uh, the arc from doing its normal function. And, uh, you know, and, and that was rain, an act of God. So yeah, it's angry. Uh, it's irony. 
I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm wrong. So, uh, 10 points to everybody. Uh, I was wrong about that. And if you think I'm wrong about anything I talk about on this show, go ahead and email me. Send an email to drdim at dimland.com. D-R-M, D-R, start again. D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And uh, you be sure to check out my show notes on dimland.com. Uh, you'll go there and you click on the blog option. The show notes should be there. And I'll have links to things and, and others and uh, the stuff I talk about. And, uh, you know, just so that you can check up on me and make sure uh, that you keep me honest. And if you notice something I might be wrong in or if you have a different opinion, go ahead and email it. Let me know. I, I'm open to learning. Although sometimes I'm not. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm human. Uh, I'm going to do a segment here where I'm going to, uh, in defense of Snopes, um, Snopes.com, uh, I, I don't remember how long ago it came out, but uh, it was uh, it, uh, husband and wife, uh, they're not husband and wife anymore, but they were at the time, they were husband and wife, and they got to thinking that uh, there should be some website that would act as a clearinghouse to, uh, to clear up these urban legends, these uh, memes that go across social media on whether this stuff is true uh, or not. To, to search into it and to be a source to say, this is a hoax, this isn't true. Well, this is somewhat true, but not completely true. You know, there should be something like that. And depending on whether or not Snopes uh, uh, confirms uh you know something that you're into, or doesn't conf- if it does if it just confirms it that uh, you believe something that's a hoax. Uh, chances are you're going to just you're going to try to dismiss Snopes. And one of the ways that people attempt to dismiss Snopes is to is uh, is to say that they're politically biased, uh, either left or right. Usually it's more left than right. At least that's what I've seen. That they're more biased toward uh, uh, the Democrats and those on the left. That they're liberals. Well, I saw this on Facebook um, recently, and this is something that's fairly recent as uh, something that went up on Snopes, and I thought I'd uh, read the article to you, it's not that long, and, uh, and, and comment and show you, okay, are we, are we really uh, biased to one side or the other? It's a political thing, uh, so uh, let's, let's sit back and enjoy. Uh, it's about a Gallup survey that has, uh, or uh, it says, a Gallup survey has identified Barack Obama as the most admired man in the world for 11 straight years. This is Gallup. It's a polling place <laughs> it's a, that, that takes polls and that's to, to determine, uh, you know, public opinion and political opinion and such. Uh, this particular article appeared on Snopes on April 2nd of uh, 20, 2019, so it's fairly fresh. And it was written by David Mickelson, who is one of the uh, uh, co-founders of uh, Snopes. Uh, and I'm just going to go through it, and it the rating for this is true. And uh, here's the story. <clears throat> Since 1946, the Gallup Analytics Company has conducted surveys to identify the most admired man and most admired woman in the world, although in 1946 and 1947 only a single most admired person was named. 
With only a handful of exceptions across those several decades, the most admired man has typically been the current President of the United States. It should be no surprise then to see that President Barack Obama held the most admired man designation for all eight years he occupied the White House, from 2009 through 2016. Well, actually, <laughs> Uh, 2017, for 19 and a half days, he was still president in 2017. Because the, you don't, you know, the, they don't switch until January 20th. That's when they hand over the keys. So, for half of that day, uh, Obama was still president. So, for 19 and a half days. Then. Okay, anyway, but still, okay. Um, it may come as something of a surprise, however, to learn that Obama has actually maintained that status of uh, for 11 straight years, beginning the year before he assumed office, 2008, and continuing for the two years since he's been out of office, 2017 and, and 2018. Again, 19 and a half days at the beginning of the, of the year but of 2017, but still. okay. The current president, Donald Trump, has polled reasonably close to um, Obama, in the admiration stakes over the last few years, according to Gallup, but still in a distinctly second-place position. And then they have a little chart that shows you uh, 2018, 2017, and 2016, heading back. So in 2018, uh, Barack Obama won, uh, had 19%. He got 19% of the polling for to be the most admired man in the world. Donald Trump got 13 uh, In 2017, uh, um, Obama got 17%, whereas Trump got 14%. And in 2016, Obama got 22%, and Trump got uh, 15%. Now, Obama was still president in 2016, but they're just showing the closeness of Trump and Obama. Only a few times in uh, all in tumultuous political circumstances has the incumbent president not been tabbed as Gallup's most admired man for multiple consecutive years. Uh, they give three examples. With the onset of the Red Scare and the Korean War beginning in the, in the 1950s, two notable World War II generals, Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1950 and 1952, and uh, Douglas MacArthur in 1950, were considered more admired than President Harry Truman. At the height of the controversy over the Vietnam War, 1967-68, President Lyndon Johnson was less admired than former President Dwight Eisenhower. And as the, as the Watergate scandal led to the first and only presidential resi resignation, Richard Nixon, and resulted in the first and only unelected president, Gerald Ford, uh, in U.S. history, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger was named the most admired man from 1973 uh, through 1975, ahead of the incumbent presidents during that span. So ahead of Nixon and then ahead of Ford. On the other side, the most admired woman has commonly been either the current first lady in, of the United States or the prime minister of a non-U.S. country. But Hillary Clinton, as a U.S. senator, U.S. secretary of state, and a presidential candidate, earned the designation for 16 straight years, from 2002 to 2017 and including her tenure as First Lady for 22 years overall in the span from 1993 to 2017. There were some years in there where she wasn't, but uh, you know, that's, that's 22 times that she's been the most admired woman in the world. Consistently outpolling incumbent First Ladies Laura Bush, 
and Michelle Obama. Uh, Clinton's streak finally came to an end in 2018, however, when she dropped to third place behind former First Lady Michelle Obama and television personality Oprah Winfrey. Although Gallup asks respondents to identify the man and women, woman living today in any part of the world whom they, most, they admire most, only adult Americans are surveyed, so the results reflect a U.S.-centric outlook rather than a global one. Okay, how does this not show a liberal bias or conservative bias or whatever. You focus on the times when it wasn't uh, one of our presidents that got the most admired man. Um, you got Dwight Eisenhower, who's a Republican, went on to become president and was a pro- uh, you know, as a Republican. I don't know what uh, Douglas MacArthur's uh, political leanings were, so I, I'm not even going to guess. But there you, you know, I mean, that's, that's a fact. This is a fact. I looked, I looked this up. I went to the Gallup site itself and saw the listing. And the, the, the Snopes is correct. Uh, again, and then we go to the next one. Um, here we have uh, um, Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat, does not top the list. We have a Republican, Dwight Eisenhower. Now, is that some kind of, are we looking at a, a biased look there? I don't think so. And then finally, with Watergate, um, it's a Repub- It's two Republicans that were president, Nixon and Ford, but they don't get it, but Henry Kissinger does. Now, Henry Kissinger was part of Nixon's uh, cabinet, and I, I don't know if he, he was exactly his right-hand man, but he had a lot of power. He was conservative. He was a Republican. Or at least, you know, worked with the Republicans. So, you know, if you think Snopes has a liberal bias, how then, I mean, I don't know how you can think it has a liberal bias. Going by this article, they're just, this is the facts. These are the facts. These are the people. It's that we're not trying to skew it. We're not leaving it out. We're just, there it is. It's right there. And Barack Obama is still getting the most admired man now even though he's been out of office since January 20th, 2017. So, I don't know. Will that change anybody's mind? I doubt it. I got three cool things. Gonna make them quick. There is a video on YouTube. There's actually a couple of them, but I've, I've watched this one. It lasts two hours and 40 minutes. It is a real-time, computer-animated recreation of the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's, there's, uh, there's no dramatic music to it. There's, uh, just the sounds that the ship would make. Now, they do not animate. It's, 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 it's uh, you see the ship and the camera, quote-unquote camera, moves around the ship from the outside, comes up close to it, moves away from it, it goes around it. There, then there are shots inside the ship showing the water coming up and the, you, you, you you get all that and then there's a little a little chiron that comes along the bottom that'll say um, you know a little sub uh, you know a little subtitle uh, that'll say you know at this time you know this order was given uh, at this time they started uh, venting the steam from the from the engines so that the cold water uh, when it met the engines it would not be you know 
too cold, too hot, hitting together, causing an explosion kind of thing. So they vented steam. And you do hear the steam vent for quite a while. And it goes through all that. And you do not hear any human voices except for at the very beginning. You hear what would be the crew talking to the captain or something. You, know, you, you hear that, a little bit of that. And then you hear the human voices at the very end when the ship begins to really sink under the water you know when it's it, when it starts to move and you hear the cries of, of anguish and fear and terror and we're all gonna die kind of thing that's the only time you hear it you do see lifeboats being lowered to the water and moving away uh, and but you never see they don't animate any people uh, they don't have any of that because uh, I guess that would just be you know it would it'd be difficult but it's I think it's fascinating but you be warned they do set up uh, uh, firework flares. They do launch those. And a few of them, I mean, you don't know when it's going to happen. It's just you hear, foom! And it, it, I, I jumped four or five times. Just watch it, because I had no idea it was coming. And foom! This thing launches, and then you hear the, in the distance, you can hear the it explode. But it's quieter. But uh, I thought it was fascinating. So it starts just before it hits the the iceberg, and it continues until the ship uh, sinks and and settles on the on the bottom of the ocean. It's cool. Number two uh, has to do with the Who. Uh, they apparently Roger and Pete were on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon just recently, and they do some deal where uh, Fallon and and Roger and Pete and the members of uh, Fallon's band, uh, The Roots, you know, the band for the show, The Roots, they, they cram into this little place and they play, they do a cover, uh, a live rendition of a Who song. They did Won't Get Fooled Again. They shortened it. But they're, they're using bongos and uh, a, melo- a melodica. Uh, that's the kind of thing that you blow into and there's a keyboard on it. That's what it's called, a melodica. Uh, somebody's using that. They they got uh, toy tambourines. There's a toy xylophone that somebody's playing, and uh, a couple of them have uh, ukuleles. One of them being Pete playing ukuleles, and they sing the song, and and uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon singing it too. And it's kind of cute, and it's it's kind of cool how they do it. And Pete smashes the ukulele at the end, and it's one of the few occasions that lately that I've seen uh, Jimmy Fallon, and he hasn't annoyed me, and that's that's cool. <laughs> I mean, if you like Fallon, that's fine. You could, I, it's just I, he just he just kind of annoys me, um, you know. I, I long for the days of uh, David Letterman. Uh, back, I mean, the late night with David Letterman days on NBC. I long for those days, or the Craig Ferguson days. I long for that that because the, I they were irreverent, but they they weren't annoying irreverent, at least not to me. And uh, Fallon just uh, something doesn't feel right. But hey, it's still cool. So I'll link to that that video. And the uh, third thing, uh, it's a little pat myself on the back thing. Uh, I've been doing a do-it-yourself cal- calendar for 2019 because we didn't pick up a calendar at the end of last year. And I thought, well, why the heck don't I make my own? And uh, uh, I went online, found a, a site where I can download the uh, the grid for the month, you know, for each month. So I do that, and then I do a drawing. And sometimes people have suggested something. And uh, last month I did a drawing of Pete Townsend. Because it's his birthday in in uh, in May, May nineteenth. Uh, so I did a, a, a drawing of him, and uh, so this. And, but somebody had suggested at back then, at the beginning of the month, they suggested I draw a tardigrade, which is a microscopic creature that's really really tough, practically indestructible, and they're cute. 
they're they're also called water bears and they're they're just this neat little eight-legged little slug looking type thing that doesn't have a face it's got this little button for a mouth that kind of shoots out and, and sucks up uh, the little particulate that they eat and it's just this cute little thing and so I had an idea back when somebody suggested a tardigrade, I thought, oh, I got to do that because not only did that person suggest it, um, my wife loves tardigrades. So, uh, so I got to do that. And um, But I thought, I got to do it, have a little twist to it. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why it bounced into my head, but it did. I thought of the illustrator uh, Frank Frazetta. Was really an outstanding illustrator from back in the day. He used to do book covers and album covers, and I think he did movie posters and and comic books and and stuff. I mean, just a fantastic illustrator. And I I, I was picturing in my mind that he would do some of these illustrations where he'd do a, like a Viking type character or a Tarzan type character or Conan the Barbarian type character riding on a on a tiger or a, a, a polar bear or something, you know. And I thought, if I could find one of those illustrations that he's done like that, I'll base this illustration of the tardigrade on that. And I did find one. I found one with a Tarzan-type character attacking, uh, battling a bear. He's, he's, he's riding the back of the bear. He's got one arm around the bear's neck, and his, his other arm is up in the air holding a knife. He's about to plunge it into the bear. And I, I found that. I thought, oh, I could create, I make the tardigrade uh, the bear, uh, I'll, I'll do that. I'll switch them out, and then I'll have you know this Tarzan guy. I'll just copy that. So I did write in the drawing after Frank Frazetta because I want to give credit where credit's due, um, and uh, I don't want to just be a guy just swiping things. Even though it's just a uh, you know it's just a thing on Facebook page and it's a calendar that's in my house. It really it's not that big a deal. But uh, I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week. Good night, Frau Blucher. Oh, well, that's the end of this show. Uh, this was not a download-only show, because it's going to go on Saturday night. I'll see you there in the chat room. Well, I've already seen you there. I'm probably saying goodnight at this point. So, well, I should do that now. Uh, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What? 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 Well, I'm going to hell.